I felt, how can I go out there in the world if I can't convince my family? I need to convince my family. I need to convince the people who support me and my community before I can even go out there and advocate for other people, right? Like, I, I felt like a fraud if I didn't do that. So that's why I spent so much time just educating myself and then sharing that back into the community, back to my family. But it took a lot of hard work. If you got one, spark up. You listen to the Higher Learning Podcast with 420 NJ Events. Let's go! Happy 420, everyone. Welcome to the Higher Learning with 420 NJ Events Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Robinson. Here with my dog, my brother, my co-founder, Stan Okoro. Stan, what up, baby? Bro, what's going on, man? Chilling, bro. Loving that hoodie, man. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate you it. Up. You already know. Listen, um, we got a super special guest on here tonight, guys, uh, representing New Jersey. This woman is a lawyer, a social equity advocate, an entrepreneur. Uh, she's the co-chair of the NJ State Bar Association for Social Justice and Equity Subcommittee. Obviously, she's the CEO of Blaze Responsibly. She was voted in the top 100 of the cannabis provider in New Jersey. Our on own now. girl. Come on now. Holly Patel, what's up? What's up, brothers? Thank you guys for having me here. Really excited to be speaking with you all. No, absolutely. We're super excited to have you here. Um, you know, it's, it's really an honor and just a pleasure to have you on the show, Shirali. Um, we, my, my brother and I were very fortunate to meet you very early in our cannabis uh, tenure, if you will. And we've been able to really watch you just transcend over these past 12 months. Um, and you're just doing so many great things. So could you just kind of just start there a little bit about your background, kind of how you got in the industry and kind of how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so one, I, I want to say I appreciate you guys because you guys are coming up quickly as well, right? And so to see you guys grow in this journey, um, the platform that you guys are creating for people in this state and just everywhere really, um, very much appreciative. So thank you. Thank you. I've said this before, but um, I'll say it again because it really matters. Born and raised in New Jersey. Um, so I've, I've been all, around, all over the state, definitely understand a lot of the issues. And um, when before I went to law school, I went to undergrad Rutgers business in Newark. So I lived in Newark for several years, right? Saw that whole scene in the streets, was very familiar with the issues that people of color were facing with war on drugs. And that was very real for me. Um, I lost people there in Newark. I, and so I think, you know, my journey really started there while I was in Newark, while I was still an undergrad. And really just at that point, I was still a, a consumer, not, not so much of an understanding like the value, but I would say that's when like the real passion started. And then when I got to law school, after I graduated, I started working in government. So I worked for Passaic County, I worked for the County of Bergen, and then I worked for the city of Hoboken. And while I was in Hoboken, I was a prosecutor. So that again showed me um, the flaws that we have built into our system. And it's not a system that we can necessarily reform, it's one that we gotta rebuild. Because <laughs> there's a lot of issues um, and these cracks are just getting deeper and deeper. But that experience just, I think further solidified me for whatever it was that I was meant to do, uh, you know, while my time was still valid here on earth. And so kept doing, you know, and also having that government experience helped me because when it comes to cannabis, navigating the local municipalities and all the politics in the state and zoning and all those issues that come to play was very beneficial for me because I made a lot of good relationships and then working for the county and the cities, understanding what these counties and cities have to go through when it comes to process and um, ordinances and all that stuff and why things do take time when it comes to local government. So that experience was definitely beneficial. And then around 20, well, not around, in 2018, um, when the pandem pandemic, when the epidemic, when the opioid epidemic was still pretty ripe, 
I lost a friend to an overdose. It, the pill he ended up taking was fentanyl. And he was a medical patient while he was still here. And he benefited from it. He, he loved the plant. But pharmaceuticals, you know, he was unable to get off of the pills that he was being prescribed. And eventually it got to the point in New Jersey where they stopped prescribing you opioids um, without, you know, before they were prescribing it like candy, right? You can say you got back pain and I went in for a toothache and, and they would give you Vicodin and perks, right? So after any, and, and then if you have anxiety, you're gonna get Xanax, right? And so my friend was, unfortunately, you know, he succumbed to the pharmaceutical pressure. And so he was on those pills. And then when they stopped him, you can't expect somebody to, to lean off of chemical dependencies instantly, right? And when you live in somewhere like Newark, where you can get access to really anything, what do you expect? And so he, you know, so so that tragedy happened and I was like, all right, now I need to do something about this, this opioid epidemic. And, and being that I'm an attorney and there's an ongoing lawsuit nationally with the opioid litigation, I thought, let me try and be a part of one of the firms out of the 22 national firms that are handling this lawsuit. So that's when I just reached out to the law firm in New Jersey and said, is there room for me? They said, yes. I took the opportunity. So I, for about a year and a half, that's where I did class action litigation. So I was working on the national opioids case against Walmart, Purdue, those, you know, the big distributors, manufacturers, and some other cases. And all in the background was still doing my cannabis educating, right? I had previously already made a trip out to Colorado and been networking and doing all this stuff in the background. But everything that I've felt every experience that I had in my life just pushed me closer to the point where I am right now. And so currently an attorney at Passionstein where I exclusively do cannabis and hemp law in some litigation, but it's helping all types of entrepreneurs, smaller players, social equity applicants, all the way to multi-state operators and trying to help them navigate this industry in New Jersey. And so a lot of my background and just experience in general is what has allowed me to be able to help guide people right now. Oh, hell yeah. That's so dope, Shirley. That's so dope. <laughs> I mean, man, it's a lot to unpack there. It's one hell of a journey, right? <laughs> it's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. you know. But, you know, it's a lot, Shirley, but you know what's cool about it? It's all mission-driven. Everything you're saying is driven by a mission, by a passion, by a cause. And I think that's what drew us to you. That you're so authentic. And, you know, we pride ourselves on that type of stuff. So that's dope, you know? Um, just kind of shifting gears for a second, going back to the intro we gave you. You were named as the, the co-chair of the Social Justice and Equity Subcommittee. Um, could you just talk a little bit about what that role is, what you'll be doing, and things of that nature? Yeah, sure. So New Jersey State Bar Association is a state bar association where attorneys join after you become a licensed practitioner in the state. Mm -hmm. And so it's anybody who's paying dues to the State Bar Association. And part of the bar, what the bar does is they put committees together for different practice areas cannabis law being a new practice area, they created a cannabis law committee and I joined that back in 2018. And so being part of the committee, you know, attending meetings, hosting continued education seminars for attorneys, they decided that now that we have this adult use um, regulations and industry coming about, we need to create even more uh, committees or subcommittees within the cannabis law committee and one specifically for social justice and equity. And so I had the opportunity to apply for that position I applied and myself and my co-chair, Tisha Adams, who's actually a solo practitioner, um, young African-American, or I call her young, African-American uh, female attorney in, in Newark. And so her and I are together co-chairing this committee. And really what it's about is the primary focus is helping to shape these regulations for the industry to make more sense and to be 
able to implement them versus just looking good on paper, right? And so because there's always a disconnect and the intent is always good with the legislation. We want to prioritize social equity, but I know you guys talked about this before. We don't need priority in review of application. That's not doing much except telling us sooner or later mm -hmm. the help would be, hey, you don't have to pay a fee. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is a this is a reduced basic application so that you can complete it on your own. Mm -hmm. Hey, how about you already served jail time and fee and paid your fines? How about you know we carve out X amount of licenses specifically for you guys? And how about we put you through training because you might not have the legit skills, but you have the legacy skills. Yep. And and from the, the subcommittee, we're really trying to we have an open communication with the CRC. We're lucky that the CRC is very open and they've been reaching out to the Bar Association. So they want recommendations and feedback and they want to figure out a way to partner up, right, to be able to provide some of these, whether it's free legal services or just in general, making sure that the equity initiatives that are built in actually play out um, and that whatever issues that we've been spotting just from a legal standpoint, we can resolve them be before they become an issue that's litigated down the road. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit of the work that we're doing at the subcommittee. And then the other part of it is just um, hosting like educational seminars, which can be for the attorneys. It can also be open to the public through sponsorship opportunities. And I think between T uh, Tisha and I, we're trying to increase diversity and inclusion within the bar itself. Right within the legal profession, we want to have more women of color and people of color representing our people in this industry. Hundred percent. No, I mean, listen, you and Tisha, you and Tisha are spot on. Um, you know, we have to get every piece of this in industry, every piece of this infrastructure built on diversity and inclusion, or we're never going to have a fair and just market. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it is another thing you touched on was just like you guys are making real change, right? You're you're, you're advocating for real change because. Some of me and Stan always say that the war on drugs really happened. You know what I mean? It really happened. So it's great they want to give us uh, preference in the market. We need priority. You know, we, we've been targeted for the last 80 years. You know what I'm saying? So that's just that's just spot on. Um, so if I can say real quick, ahead, the, yeah. the, one, the one thing that I feel like states haven't been able to figure out is like that transition period. How do we transition somebody from legacy to legal, right? Like, sure. what does that look like? Because a lot of people always ask me, like, how do we even speak to my experience? I was distributing or I was doing this. Like, this is illegal. Well, it's a relevant experience <laughs> off the books, right? Like, sure. we need to, it should be built into the regulations. Hey, you're allowed to explicitly say it in language that people can understand. Mm -hmm. I get, as a lawyer, it's complicated language on purpose, right? It's not because they want, they don't want everybody to figure it out. They want you to hire somebody to help you break it down. But, and that's why they provide a summary of the rules and, and you know, regulations. But a summary is only a couple of pages. The rules are over 160 pages, right? Sure. So it's like, I think that we just need to make this whole process easier, recognizing that the, whoever bore the brunt of the war on drugs, they need we, they need support and they need they need more than what we provided. And Tisha actually brought up a great point when we spoke a couple of days ago that what about the families of the people on war on drugs? She goes, yeah. what about the people yeah. when they come into your house and they tell everybody they get on the floor and they point a gun at you? What about the child that's looking at their dad getting arrested? The trauma that lives with them. And then we leave them neglected. And then we wonder why are they going back to the same thing? Because we didn't do anything to help them. Right. Yeah. And so we care about it and that's why we're here to make sure that we can get the changes because there was too many um there's lobbyists there's political pressure there's a lot of stakeholders and so that's why you're we're left with the uh, you know a set of rules and legislation that doesn't exactly look the best but it was a starting point and now that we have the starting point 
we can always go back and fix it, right? We can make amendments before we start doing this whole application round and people start losing finite time and money. No, absolutely. Let me tell you this. I think we would love to meet Tisha because it sounds like she has a, a brilliant mind. You know, we were she just does. talking about this yesterday. You know, and it's she does. Like, um, you know, and she doesn't even do cannabis. So we just right. were talking about issues in general. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Brendan Robinson. I'm here with my brother, my CEO, my co-founder, Stan Coro. Super exciting news. Listen, we're talking about the Higher Learning of a 420 NJ Events podcast. Our official sponsors, Hemper. That's right, Hemper. You can see it right here. We got the special edition space boxes here. Commemorating Space Jam 2, starring LeBron James. We got the Hemper Henny Rigs, the full box with the accessories, the whole nine. Let me tell you guys, you can get these boxes as well. They're 40 bucks a month. That's right, 40 bucks a month. $100 value. You have multiple curators coming together, putting 10 plus smoking accessories in here. Different accessories each and every month. Check them out. Hemper.co. That's Hemper.co. Once again, it's your boy Brendan Robinson, my dog Stan Coro, sponsored by Hemper. Let's go. Yeah, because you mentioned it, right? Like, we want to focus on the, the, the folks who have been obviously directly impacted, served time. But you mentioned the mother, the brother, the sister, the uncle that had to suffer God knows what because that individual was pulled out of the household. You know what I mean? Now, speaking of doing something about it, you, your company, Blaze Responsibly, just partnered up with Cookies. And I know you guys have something planned coming up that's going to really give folks um, a bird's eye view of the industry, uh, ed educating them, providing resources. I mean, I'll let you talk about it. Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Um, it's actually a partnership with Cookie Social Impact, okay. um, which is their uh, you know separate entity that's dedicated towards uh, supporting community partnerships, basically. And so they're enabling me through their funding to be able to provide this two-day free virtual series for anybody, not just in New Jersey, but anywhere in the world, because it's virtual, right, via Zoom, Absolutely. to take part. And it's going to be taught exclusively by me. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And I'm going to have, you know, a whole resource guide for people, which is going to be credible sources on who to go to for real estate, who to go to for your bank account with a reference name, um, the ins and outs of licenses, all the different categories. And then I'm going to give people tips because everybody always wants to know, how do I win? What do I need to put together? What should my team look like? How much funding do I need? Well, I'm going to give you all of that. I'm going to give you all of that and more because there's going to be Q&A sessions, right? So people can ask me anything. And then on top of that, I decided how can I make it a little bit more impactful? Well, sure. I'm going to announce 20 people at random for free consultations. So I'll do oh, 10, wow. 10, free, 10, 10 people get picked on Saturday and 10 people get picked on Sunday. So it's on top of the 10 hours of free education and resources you're going to get. I'm going to have 20 people who sign up who are going to get free consultations to ask whatever they want. Wow. Wow. And you're doing, and you're, and this is free. It's 100% free. Wow. And so I don't, I, you know, I've been to boot camps and I've been to events, but I don't think there has been a single event by an attorney, you know, who has their own company that's going out and giving free education in this capacity. Because no. you, you can't, you, you can't say this wrong. I'm gonna say it for you. Talk your shit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Nah, that's dope. That's dope. You know, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's part one, bro. Like. You know, one of the things me and Stan just love about your story is just your willingness to pull up your sleeves and do the work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like when we first met you, we were just doing research and I saw you went to Colorado in 2016 to learn the game and just taught yourself A, B, and C. And, you know, I, I love the fact that you're willing to, you know, impose your will because you're so passionate about this. Like, 
one of the things we always say is that, you know, cannabis is a sacrifice. You know, could you just talk a little bit about that aspect, the hard work that it took to get where you are? It took a lot of hard work in keeping my head down um, because we're talking five years now of, of real, like, you know, industry experience and just doing my thing and facing a lot of um, barriers, right? Like in the beginning, it was hard to get into the right rooms. Mm-hmm. When the when I met with politicians, um, being a young woman, you know, I was taken for, would you go to dinner? Or, you know, are you dating anyone? Are you married? And then sometimes it gets disheartening because it's like, you know, you're trying so hard and like these, these politicians who are writing their bills are trying to hit on you. It's like, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. And not only that, it's like you, there's stigma associated, right? So women in general, being any woman on top of that, they're like, this is smoking. It's bad. It's like taboo. And like, so fighting through that, because I felt, how can I go out there in the world if I can't convince my family? I need to convince my family. I need to pe- convince the people who support me in my community before I can even go out there and advocate for other people, right? Like I, I felt like a fraud if I didn't do that. So that's why I spent so much time just educating myself and then sharing that back into the community, back to my family. But it took a lot of hard work and, and moments where I fell down, moments where I felt I'm never gonna make it. But I realized that every time I stop that inaction, period is where nothing happened right it was just like self-pity and like like oh like why is this happening to me and it was like i it took me so long to get to a point where nobody owes you shit mm-hmm. number one and number two life isn't fair it's balance and balance means good and bad That's so you, you gotta go with it and every situation is fluid and i recognize that it's not about me there's a bigger picture and it's called life right and i'm just one disciple here doing my work and when I stay in my lane and I recognize that I have accomplishments I don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing let everybody do whatever they got to do be supportive but know that you have your own path and I feel like reminding myself of that is what's allowed me to keep moving because there's a lot of um people who will come out of nowhere and oh you're you're Asian you know you don't get it and it's like you have no idea what my story is Mm. you only know what I put out there you, you literally have zero clue what I'm about, right? Or what I was, how I was impacted, or how much people that I love were impacted by the war on drugs. And so I think facing, like overcoming that inner, you know, dialogue of like, am I good enough? Or like trying to validate it to people. And then on top of this industry where in the legal profession is still federally legal, right? So it wasn't even like I can go out and tell people at work, hey, I'm a consumer because it was still mm-hmm. just so taboo. And so I think, yeah, it's a lot of sacrifice in this industry because you just got to keep your head down really for a good amount of time until you get to that point where you build up enough inner confidence in yourself to just go out there and do your thing. No, absolutely. Wow. So that's so inspirational, Shirali. I mean, one of the things that kind of caught us off guard coming in this industry was the uh, the way women are treated in cannabis, you know? Um, and one of the things we try to shine a bright light on are women in cannabis, and particularly minority women in cannabis. And, um, you know, we're always trying to just, you know, whether it's partnering with women of color worldwide or doing different uh, different events with other folks. It's just it, it's a passion of ours. So when I think about just, you know, women coming out of college or women looking across industries, whatever the case may be, what's like what's the most solid piece of advice you'd give a woman trying to enter cannabis right now today in New Jersey? Well, three words that I tell myself almost every day is that I am enough. Right? Mm. I alone am enough. And capable, just like just as capable any as anybody else to do what you need to do. And that everybody started 
at day zero, not knowing anything, including me. So as scary as it is, you're gonna be able to get there, but just, I think, reminding yourself that it's okay to be uh, afraid of not knowing how or what you're gonna do in this industry. But as long as you put a plan together that's realistic and, and that's focusing on your skill set. You know, like when I knew, okay, I'm gonna be in the tree, like what are my skill sets? I like to read, I like to write, I like to talk to people. And then just kept bringing, like I would write it out. I would write it on a notepad. And I thought, and I worked backwards. I made a life plan backwards. <laughs> I thought if I went away, what would be, where do I want to end up? And it was like philanthropy was giving, I want, I love children. I have a nonprofit for kids. So I was like, I want to end up where I'm surrounded by love and good work. And how do I get there? Well, that requires money. You can't just have a nonprofit with no money, right? And so, and I know you guys get that. So I worked backwards and I was like, well, it'll take this. And then it'll take this. And I was like, wait, I'm already here. I have two paths. So it was like working backwards, allowing me to figure out how I can make my journey um, like linear versus not knowing what to do. So I think for anybody who's young in college or, you know, just starting on their journey in cannabis, really mapping out what is your end goal in this industry? What do you really, or even in life, like what is your end goal working backwards and being realistic about your skill set and where you can be and starting for free. The educate the self-educating that I did for years was like I wasn't getting paid, right? To go learn, take seminars, to go talk to people. But I did that and and I would say LinkedIn. Use, take advantage of LinkedIn, um, reach out to people. You would be surprised at how willing other people are to share information and just have a conversation with you. So for anybody starting out, just don't be afraid. Um, I also have a sticky note that says fear and discomfort are your compasses towards growth. So if you're afraid and you're uncomfortable, good, keep going because you are on the right path. Because as soon as you get content, like you're you're stuck again and like you just got to keep leveling up. So I think for anybody that's listening, especially women, just know that you're 100% enough and capable to do anything as long as you put your mind into it and you're working to it. Drop, drops mic. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) I'm over here like a fan and shit. Like, Uh, that's awesome. <clears throat> that's awesome, Charlie. You're spot on, though. You know, so so w- working backwards have de- has definitely sprung you forward. So, <laughs> I mean, you've been on fire as late. Like, 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 what's next? I mean, what's next for Charlie in the next couple months? What's next? A lot. Um, well, so Blaze Responsibly, I really want to elevate that to become more of like a public resource center. You know, I just want to have free like papers available, free resources on there, um, organizations that people can tap into. So really building it into the brand that it deserves to be um, with more education, just best practices. And then um, Daisy Cannabis Collective is another nonprofit me and two other women have founded. So tapping into our South Asian community and, and branching out, just sharing the history and then, you know, I'm part of a, a startup digital venture partners to so see where that goes. But and then obviously all the legal work that I do and then the work I do with the state. <laughs> so I think what's next is just the momentum and the continuation of what I'm building and trying to build out. And that's educating people the right way, making sure that we have good entrepreneurs and operators in our community and hoping that Blaze Responsibly can become a staple for people to go to as a trusted source of information where they know they're not going to be turned away, right? Like ever, just because you can't afford anything. It's, it's going to be free it's for the people. And so just continuing to do the work, speaking. And, and I, that's the other thing, which I talk to everybody that reaches out to me because um, I'm not at a point where I got like, you know, a thousand people coming at me a day. So right now, whoever reaches out to me, um, 
you're lucky because I'll talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you free information. I will try to help you. And I do that because I care about people. I like people and I want to help people. And, you know, for me, it's like, that's just part of who I am and what I got to do. And I think that before I wasn't always like this. I was a, a time that was very angry or selfish because I was hurt and, you know, hurt people hurt people. And so I think that I felt like, oh, I have to like be a certain way. And like, I gotta like, you know, like protect things. And now I realize I'm like, we live in abundance. It's all about your mindset. And once I changed that mindset and it's just allowed me to help so people so much more. And it's brought me closer to my purpose of just being a human, right? And like, we're all here for a reason. We're all part of one another and free information and free advice isn't hurting anybody, right? These are not secrets. The secret is you. Mm-hmm. The secret is you as a, as a person and what you can execute and what you bring to the table, right? I can give you as much information. It's like you could take the horse to the well, right? But they got to drink it on their own. It's the same concept. And that's why when I was going to do stuff with free information a year ago at an event, which I wait, I won't mention who, but um, they told me, well, why would you want to give out free information? I mean, why would you want to give out free secrets? It's like, free secrets. I'm like, this is not information to be hoarded, right? Like this is, <laughs> people need to know. No, that's real. That's real. And let me just say something to the, to the, to the people listening. She's accessible right now. <laughs> she ain't going to be accessible much <laughs> Today's price is not today's price. Huh? <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> but for now, I'm here. <laughs> now that's dope, Sherelle. That's so dope. I mean, um, listen, we we know you're not we know, we know you don't smoke, but we gotta ask you anyway. We always end the in the show on our I eyes. do smoke. Oh, you do smoke? I'm a patient. Oh, excuse <laughs> me. All right, this makes this question even easier. All right. <laughs> Makes it even easier. We always like to end the show on a high note. Um, so we got to ask you, what's your favorite strain of all time and why? Sour D. Sour Diesel. Yeah. Official. D. What is... year? What year? What year? Oh, 20. Ooh. I would say maybe 2011. 2011. Ooh. So 10 years ago. I haven't. The, that was 10 years ago, which Newark. Newark, New Jersey is some of the best sour I've had in my life. <laughs> and I kid you not. Why? Because it gives you the best day of your life. <laughs> I don't care what mood I'm in. I'm happy as can be. It just puts me in a, it's like a, it's like a mix of like, just, I don't know. It's like a really good energetic upbringing, daytime feeling. And for whatever reason, it just makes me nostalgic of college and like, you know, when I first fell in love, my friends and just like good times. And so that's, that's it for me. Like there's, and I've had all the other stuff, right? Like on the market and in here and all everywhere. And there are higher potency strains and there's good stuff, but Sour D baby, that's it Dang. all day. Nah, nah, that's real shit. That's real shit. <laughs> you can't go wrong with the Sour D. Yeah, no. faithful. All right. So let me try. How do people get in contact with you? What's your social media and all that good stuff? Yeah, so social media, I am at Blaze Responsibly on Instagram, Blaze Responsibly on LinkedIn, Blaze Responsibly on Twitter. I don't have any personal accounts, but you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn primarily. All right, guys, there you have it. We want to thank the entire 420 Engine Vince family for tuning in and kicking it with us. Make sure you got those notifications on. I want to thank Shirali for her time, of course. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. We obviously want to thank our sponsor, Hemper. Make sure you check them out at hemper.co. That's hemper.co. This has been the Higher Learning with 420 NJ Events Podcast. Until next time, medicate responsibly. Let's go.